Have you ever heard someone say this before? It just seems like Hollywood is getting worse and worse, not like the good old days when I was growing up. I've certainly heard that, and I have probably said it too. But what if that's not quite right? What if it's more complicated than that? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, there's tons to be concerned about when we look at the content and the worldview in so much of today's entertainment. And in some measurable ways, I I think it is getting worse. But what if some things, in fact, aren't getting worse? What if it's not just a straight-line descent into moral filth? And and let's face it, sometimes we can even talk about Hollywood that way. Well, today we're going to take a closer look at the issue of content worldview in Hollywood, and we might be surprised to find that this conversation isn't as cut and dried as you might think. In our second segment, well... Loki's back for another season on Disney Plus, and Paul AC is here to tell us what the Norse god of mischief is up to. And it seems like it's a show with quite a lot of mischief. So Paul will <laughs> Paul will help us you understand right. the uh, it excels in mischief, the Byzantine or Byzantine, depending on where you're from, plot in Loki. Well, if you haven't done so already. We would love to hear from you. Please subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. When you do that, it helps people know what The Plugged In Show is all about, and we would be very grateful for that. Well, joining me in our first segment today are Paul AC, Emily Chow, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. Well, I want you to rewind the clock. I always enjoy rewinding the clock, maybe because there's more clock behind me than probably ahead of me at this point. (laughs) More hair, too. That was a little bit dark. We're going to keep moving. (laughs) So think back on a movie that you saw and enjoyed or maybe even loved as a kid that you've seen recently. And, you know, recently might still be three years ago, but, you know, sometime as an adult and how was your experience different? What did you notice? What did you see? How did you experience it differently? Paul, I know you're itching to answer this question. Just itching. You know, this was actually a really tough question for me because, you know, I, because I review so many movies, I don't watch a lot of stuff from the way back past. Okay. And from so yesteryear. I from really, the way back. Yeah. It, and the question actually made me think, man, I need to start watching some of those movies again. But... Uh, the the movie that popped to mind was actually Pinocchio. Okay, the original, the or very more or less. I know no, that. no, the very very original. Now I was not a child when that movie was first released, but uh, you were fourteen, <laughs> seventeen. I was not even wow. in existence in nineteen forty one, I believe. So, uh, but you know, of course, it was re released all the time into theaters. So I saw it in the theaters, thought it was just fine. I watched it uh, a couple years ago for uh, another project that I was doing, and man, that movie is dark. Oh, yeah. That movie is dark. I hated that movie as a kid. It is scary. I don't remember it being scary when I was watching it as a kid. This is just a tangent, but Snow White, Bambi, Pinocchio, Dumbo, all those early movies from Mm -hmm. Disney- they're all dark. They're all dark. Which is probably another podcast for another time. Now back to you, Paul. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. it actually fits really well within our, our podcast parameters in some ways because I think all those movies in, in one way or another might be rated PG-13 now 
Because, you know, Bambi, of course, makes everybody cry. Right. Snow White terrified me terrified as a kid. But I remembered me. that terror. Yes. Pinocchio, it just felt like a nice, innocent thing until I watched it again and I saw the evil coachman and people getting turned into donkeys and the worst whale you've ever seen. It was, it was dark. Yeah. And then Dumbo. I mean, Dumbo's crazy dark. Dumbo is crazy it as an adult. Dark. It's not my turn yet. And this is not my choice. But yeah. Yeah. Snow White. Snow White. <laughs> Cut out her heart and put it in a box. I know! And the, and the <laughs> scene like, with what? the witch, when she turns yeah. into a witch, oh my goodness. Yeah. That is, yeah. I honestly Some think that stuff. that's one of the reasons why sometimes I gravitate towards scary movies because I was so terrified and yet that scene was so cool when I was five years old. So I want to return to this conversation when we start talking about where movies are at today because I do think, as you have already noted, Paul, it really is germane, not German, germane to the conversation that we're going to have. Emily, what about you? Um, so I haven't necessarily seen this recently, but just looking back on it, um, Back to the Future, mm. you know, and that actually came up. There were a lot of references it, to it in a movie that I reviewed recently, and I think that's what made me think of it. Um, there's like... There's definitely some stuff in there where if you're watching, I remember watching it as a kid and never saw a problem with it. But as I got older, um, like especially the scene where Biff gets in the car with Lorraine and he attacks her. And I'm oh, sorry, yeah. that scene is so It's like, creepy. It's sexual assault. Yeah. And I didn't realize that as a child, but like yep. as a teenager and as an adult, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is not okay. Like, right. yeah, you should punch him george like well, and 16 candles has the same problem oh yeah mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah, stuff in these again we'll talk about this more but jonathan what about you you know it's funny uh, talking about 80s I, I just immediately went back to can't buy me love you know and it's funny because i remember in high, i was in high school when it came out you know nobody knew who patrick dempsey was i was kind of nerdy patrick so to dempsey's me, it was in like, that <laughs> Yes. Riding a lawnmower. He's the nerd. And so I identified. I was like, cool. Well, it worked out for him <laughs> in ways yeah, that it didn't Dempsey for us. The, the nerd gets the sense. girl. And he's very nerdy and stuff. So I remember going back and seeing it. And, and it's good. It's it's nostalgic. But uh, in contrast to like, um, you know, The Breakfast Club, which you can watch. And I literally remember watching Breakfast Club with my grown son. And he was like, whoa, dad, that's like that could have been made today. You know, it just still, <laughs> it, it like transcends time. But uh, but Can't Buy Me Love doesn't transcend time. It's very, it's stamped <laughs> 80s. And it almost tries too hard at times. Uh, yeah. it, you've, it feels dated. Matter of fact, if you wanted to show your kids, okay, here's some of the bad parts <laughs> of the 80s, you could show them. Look at that bad haircut. Look at those bad outfits. You know, look at that bad acting. You know, but, but uh, there was... You know, it's not horrible, but it definitely, I was like, oh, I liked that. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Well, and that's the funny thing about our memories, right? Because our memories are of oftentimes not the plot or the content. Our memories, what we remember is the emotional response we had to something. The feelings we had. We remember the feelings when we were 13, and I mean, let's face it, that was a minute ago for some of us, right? I was 13 in 1983. That was 40 years ago. Oh my goodness. And when I really want to put that in perspective, 40 years before that was 1943. Whoa, mind 
blown. So, um, and 40 years before that exactly. was 1903. I like what you're doing here, Jonathan. You're following my path. I just wanted to keep doing the math. I know, but when I do math like that, it it makes me feel very old. So we've been going back and watching a lot of stuff, especially from the 70s and 80s with my kids. And what's surprising to me is that some of it really holds up storytelling wise. And some of it is so cringy, I can't even stay in the room. Um, we watched E.T. a while back. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, Steven Spielberg, the guy knows how to make a movie. It as a story, mm-hmm. I feel like it was better than I remembered it. Mm. And I felt like as an adult, I actually could appreciate it in ways that I didn't when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I it, it's a phenomenal movie. We watched Close Encounters a while back. Same thing. I mean, oh, the, yeah. the guy oh, knows yeah. how to make a movie. Now Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. Well, Jaws is a you know, we will always watch Jaws if it's on. We we can quote huge segments of that. But we also watched Back to the Future really recently, and I just about had to turn it off. I thought this movie is terrible. So was it yeah. let me ask yeah, you it's not great. Was it because the movie just felt very eighties or was it, it because just, of the content no, issues? No, no, it wasn't. I mean, it has content issues that we don't remember, like Emily was talking about, mm-hmm. but it just Michael J. Fox just felt cringy from the get go to me. And I yeah. and I Biff I just did not I'm like, holy cow, I can't even believe that we thought this was a classic movie. So hmm. yeah. I this is all I will say about eighties movies. I was I was raised on 80s movies, not yeah. because I was raised in the 80s. I was raised in the 90s We're and early 2000s. We're sorry that you weren't because it was the, the last best time. No, but I mean, like my family, like I grew up on 80s music. I grew up on 80s movies. So even then I kind of thought, oh, yeah, these are a little cringy at times. Yeah. But at the same time, I could appreciate, you know... I, I mean, now looking back on movies that were made in the 90s and early 2000s, I'm like, what what were we thinking? Yeah. This is terrible, <laughs> you know? So I think every every generation has like its own set of movies where it's like, wow, this is terrible, you yeah. know? Um, I don't think it's unique. I mean, like there are movies that I watch now for Plugged In where I'm like, do people even know what comedy is anymore? Yeah. You know, I have a very high bar and <laughs> it's this job. This job has made me so cynical when it comes yeah. to movies in general. <laughs> well, that too was another uh, podcast for another time. Oh yeah, no. Well, I think this but is yeah. a great segue into what I want to talk about today, which is our perception of the culture and how bad it is. And we're going to talk some about that's important because it it shapes the way we help our kids navigate it as well, which is part of the takeaway I want to get to today. But I mentioned in the intro, we often think about pop culture as if it's on a straight line down in terms of content. But I want to push back against that assumption a little bit. And we've even, I think, set up some fodder for conversation in our icebreaker today. And I want to talk about how viewing our entertainment um, – that way might be unintentionally harmful to kids and might impact how we help them think about worldview. So let me start with this question to follow up with where we've been so far. When we look at pop culture and entertainment, what are some of the ways that it might actually be getting worse, both in terms of explicit content and narratives that are increasingly farther removed from a biblical worldview? Emily. 
I think that something I've noticed in movies nowadays, um, just referring back to what I was just talking about, I feel like in the past it was much more natural to see people going to church, talking about church mm. in movies. Um, you know, looking back on the show Home Improvement, this is actually a great example. You know, there's the whole family is getting ready to go to church for Christmas, you know, the Christmas Eve service. And you never see that in stuff nowadays. Nowadays it's like, ooh, we can't even, let's not talk about the church because, and I'm sure there's a million reasons why. I'm sure some people just have a bad taste in their mouth from church. I think sometimes they're like, oh, we don't want to not be inclusive. Right. You know, and then and then there's just the fact that a lot of people in Hollywood who are making these movies don't want anything to do with the church. So they're certainly not going to put it in their movies. Okay. You know? But I think that that's something that I've noticed is that you see a lot less of God. Like you you don't talk about God anymore. You talk about the universe, you know, right. and it drives me insane because it's like, trust me, the universe isn't telling you anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to riff on this uh, again, I'm I'm like the king of tangents already in this this particular show. We were watching Ghostbusters, of all things, Mm -hmm. the other night. And there's this big scene where Dan Aykroyd and and one of the other characters start talking about the book of Revelation. And they're quoting the book of Revelation back and forth and asking, you know, is the ghost that's coming, is this the end times? You know, are we experiencing... And I thought... That's super interesting. I don't think we would see that No, today. you would never see that nowadays. Like, nowadays it feels like you have to go see The Exorcist, which, Paul, I know you just had to go review the... I did that. indeed. So sorry about that. <laughs> no, but, like, that's the only time you hear about God is in movies like that, which is ironic because those movies are... You you do not want to go see those movies, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And and actually, The Exorcist is a nice segue. The Exorcist Believer is a nice segue to, to one of the ways where I think our cultural standards have shifted negatively, right? Yeah. Um, you almost notice this more on TV than you do in movies uh, because you you really have sort of these these doors are wide open to any sort of displays of, of blood and gore. It's, it's almost... We're so used to seeing it now that people really don't give another a thought to it. And that's even within Christian circles. I think that when you talk with Christians who go to movies, watch TV shows, violence, blood, that is not a huge issue for our audience, which I find interesting. I Okay, but you just said it, though. You said that we've become used to it. But, you know, if you look back on 80s slasher films and stuff, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it really and truly, this is something that has been, like, we're so used to it now because for the past 40 years, we've been seeing that kind of, that level of blood and gore. It's not that it's gotten worse. It's just that we've gotten used to it. And maybe, you well, know, maybe now we're kind of looking back and we're like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, has it gotten it worse? Or, you know... I don't think it has. I think it's the same level. I think we're just more sensitive to it now because we're actually, you know, taking notice and realizing that this is a problem. I totally agree with you and totally disagree with you (laughs) at the same time because I think that you're right. It really did start with the slasher movies, right? But because violence is supposed to be shocking, I think they have to keep ratcheting it up. They have to keep upping the ante. Because if they want you to be shocked by it, then they need to keep rising it up. And the other area is language. I think yeah. language has gotten worse. Okay. Jonathan? I think um, I'm going to kind of answer this a different way because I don't think, you know, if you take a movie in the 80s or take a movie in the now, that's not the comparison I'm going to make. The comparison I'm going to make here is how available this content 
is, especially yeah. in unedited form. Like, like take, for example, podcasts today. Podcasts are completely just going crazy. People are loving podcasts and get as much as they can. So, and this is a place, this is an avenue where you can have role models um, who talk kind of in essence unedited. So you take a podcast, like like I actually enjoy, as a football fan, I enjoy the Kelsey brothers and they've got a podcast and stuff, but the language is just kind of free for all. So what we have there, and, and as much as I like those guys, is we've got two role models who have no problem just talking however they want to talk. So, and, and there's young boys growing up who are like, I like football, and they want to listen to that. And where maybe in the 80s, they would have been forced to listen to them on NBC in edited content. Now yep. they have access to the unedited content. So now language is definitely getting worse across the board. Oh, yeah. But not just language, just kind of the free-for-all, unedited nature of content, period, because... Everybody's got a device in their back pocket that has full access to all this. Mm. So young people have access to more earlier. Yep. And um, and as, as parents, we just we kind of got a dialogue about this more because it's kind of like we're growing up in communities where our kids are exposed to more. And it used to be almost this, hey, how can we protect them from this? And, and I feel like, in all honesty, and some people might not like this, the question isn't how do we protect them from this? How do we equip them to deal with this? Because they are going to see it. Yeah. It's there. You know, It's all around them. Don't deny it. How do we equip them to deal with growing up in the red light district and growing up in the middle of Eddie Murphy delirious? Yeah. Mm. No, that, that's exactly right. And I think, I think with regard to profanity, it's interesting. I think about music, you know, we're talking movies and TV, but I remember in 1987 listening to Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. And there are a couple of F-bombs on at least one song. I I actually haven't listened to it cover to cover for a long time. Using an F-word in music was still shocking in 1987. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have the likes of Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift who drop an F-bomb and like you it's nothing. Like it's nothing. Like, like it's an adjective. You like know, it's, it's just like nothing. <laughs> right. And in the and, chorus. <laughs> and so I think that is an area where we are increasingly desensitizing. Before I flip the question to the, the the mirror image question, I do think we're seeing really some extraordinarily explicit sexual content too. And I think um, a lot of times it is less in movies than it is on prestige on, TV. I think oh, yeah. about like Euphoria or That's Sex Education um, or or even just things where it's almost like if it's a show for adults, it has to have really graphic sexual content. Well, I think what's really bugging me about TV shows nowadays is that so many of these shows that have this graphic sexual content, you know, they'll be rated TVMA, which means mature audiences. It means adults, but the characters in them are teenagers. So right. who's going to be watching it? Teenagers. Yep. You're marketing yeah. it to teenagers, whether or not you officially say yeah, that yeah, or yeah. not. Tell me that euphoria is not marketed to Thank teenagers. You. Right? Right. Thank you. Tell yeah. me that sex education is not. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wait, wait. Spider-Man and euphoria. Yeah. I'm in both. <laughs> now, Paul, it's, I know you want to get in here. No, it's it. this is a really interesting issue because I think this is sort of one of those yes and no Exactly. And things. I think this is a good pivot question. It is a good pivot question because you are absolutely right. When you talk about TV, it has gotten so much more graphic, so much more 
you see just so much more skin, it seems like, on a lot of these. And like Jonathan was saying, it's open. Yeah. You know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, these are these are platforms that your kids can access unless you watch some of our tutorials on how to keep that from happening. But <laughs> We're putting out more every month, you guys. Just keep checking back. But You, you can't. <laughs> well, and I, I think that's that's really <laughs> valid, Jonathan. I, I totally agree with you. It's it's something where you have to navigate this. But but looking back, the switch is when I was a kid, you saw a lot of steamy love scenes, right? You saw the the two protagonists smooching and heading into bed and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and they were meant to be erotic and romantic and all this sort of stuff. What I think I'm seeing more in movies and TV is casual. Okay. You see this casual nudity. You see this this expression of sexuality that's meant to be amongst sex position. <laughs> it's it really is. It's truly truly gratuitous in that it's trying to get as much skin on the screen. It serves the plot not one little bit. It doesn't have anything to do with romance or even eroticism. It's just about skin. Yeah. Which I think is sort of the I I hesitate to say this, but it's almost like the pornification of our culture. Yep. I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to answer my own question first and then you guys can comment on it. So how are things getting better? And are, you know, I think this illustrates the point that we look at culture and we think, oh, it's all just going down the garbage disposal, right? Um, okay. I won't answer first because Emily's putting her hand up. So <laughs> Emily, I will call on you. Emily? Um. Okay. And I'm going to refer back to... Um, uh, to Totally Killer, which is a review that I just yeah. wrote uh, this past week. So in that, the girl, she goes back in time to the 80s, and the biggest thing that stands out to her is the latent sexism. Okay. And I thought about it. As I was watching that movie, I was just like, you know, it's true. 80s films, if I go back and watch those, so much sexism. Like, just like, really just... Nobody even noticed it or cared back then. But nowadays you go back and watch it and you're like, Ooh, that's mm. that's really problematic. Like, why did we let guys say those lines? That's yeah. that's not OK, you know. And so I think it has gotten better in that. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There are other problems with that. I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it almost flip into the opposite where the sexism is towards men now, but which is also not good. But I feel like maybe somewhere down the road. If we keep trying, they will eventually find a balance where they're not being sexist towards men or women, which would be nice. Jonathan? I think another area that I really see it getting better is the very thing I just said, the availability of content in our back pockets, the availability of good content in our back pockets, the availability of the plugged in show in your back pocket, <laughs> the availability of the chosen in your back pocket, the availability of every Tim Keller message he's ever preached in, in your, your back, back pocket. Po I mean, there's good. I mean, the chosen. There wasn't good. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say it. There wasn't good Jesus movies like out. The Thief in the Night you know, doesn't cut it. There wasn't. And the chosen's good. I mean, so it's just kind of cool that there are some there's some great resources out there. If I want to if I want to read my Bible, if I want to drive and listen to the Bible being read, you know, there's a podcast where I can hear scripture and hear someone talking about it. You know, so this is kind of cool that there is good content and we can teach our kids how to navigate in this porn-centered world and whatever how to make good choices. And yes, there are things we can do like let's keep those devices out of the bedroom at night and yes, there's some great 
blocks and stuff we can do, but understanding that they're going to see stuff at their friend's house if you let your kids out of the house. They're going to have to learn how to make these decisions. And can we teach them how to you know, uh, access this good stuff? Can we ourselves model looking at good stuff and watching it so our kids will maybe make that choice when they're on their own? I, yeah. I love the idea that you're right, Jonathan. There's so much stuff. You know, if there's content you want to watch, if there's content you want to introduce your kids to, you can probably find it. You can watch Andy Griffith. You can watch Gilligan's Island. You can watch all these streaming things. There's a lot of availability of good content. But I wanted to get back to your original point, Adam, which was talking a little bit about how sometimes the content that we imagine from our past was so good, yeah. isn't so good. It isn't. I've used this example on this show before, but it really strikes me. I still remember it. Um, when I was a kid, my mom would take us to these old, old movies, right? 1930s, 1940s movies. Uh, loved them. She took me to The Thin Man. The Thin Man is very witty. It's very clever, and it is wall-to-wall drinking. There is a line in the very first one where the hero says, you know, he goes back into detecting, essentially, and, and the interviewers are, are asking, so so how has this changed you? And Do you enjoy getting back into the game? And he says, no, it's interfering with my drinking too much. So you have this, this uh, back then, you know, drinking was so much more, and heavy, heavy drinking was so much more accepted. Smoking, you yeah, saw smoking. so yeah. much more of. These, these social things that were very accepted, like kind of the the sexual attitudes that that Emily was talking about, they embraced them back then in a way that we've rejected now. And I think that's a good thing. Emily. One thing that hasn't changed, though, is the drug scene. Like, Mm. if anything, the drug scene has just gotten worse. So it's like, yeah, we don't smoke anymore unless it's marijuana. (laughs) And it's like... and. Everybody, it feels like every TV show, every movie has some reference to drug use, and it it just boggles the and, and mind. Re- and really shows the consequences. It seems so often that there's a movie where so often it's like, oh, well, I don't do drugs, and then somebody will be like, yeah, but I got this, okay, and it's laugh, and then they and then they take it. They show how fun it is and whatever and stuff, and they never show addiction. They never. I, I won't say never. There are there are some movies well, that portrayed it pretty well. that's what Euphoria's whole thing is. Euphoria is like, yeah. oh, we're going to show you the consequences. It literally has one character with consequences with drug use. Everybody else is just using them, and it's fine. It's just managing it okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, one of the things that it, that I was thinking about with regard to the question I asked that started this segment of our podcast is. Not only do we not remember stuff, but sometimes when we go back and watch those things, we're shocked at what was in them. I mean, I think of, even though we think of sexual content as getting worse and worse and worse, I would actually say the 70s and the 80s were far worse than we remember them. And you oh, yeah. end up with casual sex and casual nudity, like even in PG movies. And as a kid, I think of things like Smokey and the Bandit 3 has a topless scene in it or Beastmaster. These are PG movies. Kramer versus Kramer, which I wasn't watching as a kid, but it was a PG movie with full frontal nudity. PG and so, in the 80s and 70s is definitely not totally, PG of today. It's a totally yeah, different totally thing. Different. And one of the things I've gotten to do working at Plugged In is doing remakes of movies from previous eras. And I've gone back and watched the originals first. So I did Footloose, the original Footloose. Mm-hmm. I did the original Karate Kid. Went back and watched them before I reviewed the remakes. Those movies from the 80s, even though we might think of them as classics, 
holy cow, there's way more content. And so there's this weird schizophrenic thing that kind of happens with our culture. We can identify all the ways that it's getting worse, but I actually think a lot of stuff that's aimed at teens is not nearly as raunchy. It's not nearly as profane or even as sexual as a lot of, you know, your standard issue 80s classics. And we just have forgotten the stuff that's in there. It goes back to a little bit to, to what I was talking about, The Thin Man. The thing that I remember about that, even more than the movie, is my mom walking out and saying, I had no idea there was so much drinking. She <laughs> saw that when she was a kid. She oh. loved it. She had no idea what she was bringing me into. And it goes back to, to what we had been talking about with Pinocchio, where yep. where your brain hooks on to these things that resonate with you, right? Yep. You, they emotionally pull you. And we have these very convenient cultural blinders on to the things that we don't really care about. And so we forget about when you see today, you hear so often when, when I take people to movies or whatnot, and they see me writing down all the profanities, they, they say, I had no idea there was that much profanity in this movie because you just don't think about it. Well, and we don't even remember it from some of those movies from the eighties. Again, I would go back to back to the future. I would really bring up Goonies as an example. That's like one of my favorites, but every time I go back and watch it, I'm like, there's more content here than I thought there was. Well, there is. And you have a lot of those movies from the eighties. You'll have kids swearing left Mm -hmm. and right. And Honestly, unless you're watching Euphoria or you're watching a show that is M-rated, we don't see that in movies aimed at kids today. And so, you know, I I titled today's podcast The Worldview Hurricane because I don't think the wind of culture is a straight line wind just blowing one way. It's more like a hurricane. It's rotating, right? And so with that rotation... Some things are getting worse. And I think that we have identified several things here that are definitely getting worse. But I think the depiction of smoking you know, is a, is a great example of culturally, we just don't have this casual acceptance of smoking, even yep. though paradoxically, as Emily said, marijuana gets a total pass. And so we can't just say today is horrible. The past was awesome. But as we help our kids navigate it, we have to teach them to think critically about whatever they have in front of them, right? And just because it's from 20 or 30 or 40 years ago doesn't mean it's automatically better. And it doesn't mean that something today is automatically worse. We we really have to think about the fact that every cultural artifact, every movie, every TV show, it's a product of its culture and every cultural moment has certain issues that maybe we don't have today. Paul? One of the things that I I like about what Plugged In is doing now, I don't know if readers have noticed it, but we're starting to go back and look at some of those old movies, right? And we're starting to explore all from the huge classics, the all-time classics, to the 80s movies that we've been talking about. We're taking another look at those because we know that we do give some of those old things that are treasured in our memories a pass. Yep. But there's stuff that we just have to be wary of in those old movies, too. So we're taking a look at them. Yep. So in coming months, you'll see more of those reviews. So we want to equip you not only to have what you need to make a good decision about what's coming out on TV and theaters and entertainment across the board today, but some of the things from yesteryear that garnered attention and and critical acclaim. So keep your eye peeled on PluggedIn.com, and we will help you think through those content 
and worldview issues. And I hope that the conversation we've had today has been an interesting one for you and that it's caused you to think about maybe some of the things that you would be tempted to give a pass to, you need to be paying attention to. And and maybe as many problems as there are today, it's not as bad as we think it is. So thanks guys. This has been a great conversation. I think we could probably go for another hour, but I'm going to bring it in for landing right here. Thanks. Well, in our second segment today, Mr. Paul A.C., is still here with us to talk about Loki, the, Nor- the Norse god of mischief. Yes, yes, I have not snapped out of time. <laughs> That's good because I think that would be painful. It it and, sure looks like it on and Loki. And in fact, it is painful for the, some of those who yeah. suffered that fate in Loki. But perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself. Paul, if I were Loki season two on Disney+, Plus, what would I be? What would be happening with me? You know... That is a very complex question. It is. It is. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Just just trying to think through what is going on is a challenge. It deals with time, of yeah. course. Uh, in season one, essentially, he was revealed to be, and this is Loki, the version that we saw at the very end of Endgame. He was revealed to be a variant. And in the great scheme of time and space, the Time Variance Authority, which is this huge bureaucracy, right, uh, decided that he really needed to be pruned. He needed to get out of the way, except that there was this agent called Mobius who uh, decided to bring him aboard, essentially, to get other variant Lokis because they were causing a lot right, of Right. It sort of feels like we're collapsing in on ourselves plot wise it, it really does it's a it's when loki hunts loki next time on hard copy it is a very very curious show so anyway loki being the god of mischief that he is things do not go according to plan by the end of season one we see them at the end of time talking with this character called he who remains now he who remains who's a variant of kang right well see that's where i was going he is a variant of kang and if you're not familiar with kang the conqueror uh was supposed to be the next big bad in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. We saw him uh, as King the Conqueror in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, But his first appearance was in last season's Loki. This season, what we have is he who remains is gone. But that Ironically. Ironically. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. Something has gone wrong. (laughs) But that allows a whole bunch of his variants to uh, sort of get out of the prisons, their time prisons they were were sort of in. It's confusing. But essentially, the fact that there's a whole bunch of Kangs that could cause problems for the universe that Loki is in is a very serious problem. So that is sort of where we are. Loki and Mobius and... And uh, a, a hunter known as B-15 are sort of trying to lock down some of these Is he a plane from World issues. War II? It would be a she and no. Okay. That would not be correct. <laughs> so essentially, that's where we are. We have Loki being the good guy, but he's also still the god of mischief. So where does this go? Who knows? Well, I mean, it feels like a nerd sorting tool, right? Oh, my Because goodness. even just trying to summarize the plot... I feel like we needed a spreadsheet to keep track of the timeline variances of everything. And you're going to have to be a hardcore fan probably to even just persist through the density of the storyline. But of course, we're plugged in. We want to know about more than just the storyline. So what what do parents need to know about 
this, you know, second season of this popular Marvel show. It is a popular Marvel show. And I think the, the first thing we have to understand is not only are you dealing with time, but you're dealing with some very large, powerful presences, right? I mean, we hear about gods. We hear about God. We hear about uh, Loki obviously self-describes as the god of mischief. And he says in the trailer. Always have been. Always will be. Uh, so if it, it's funny, you said that about me one time too. <laughs> so there's definitely some very spiritual issues that you're going to be dealing with. The other thing is that because this show is so metaphysical, because it deals with such big, weird uh, issues, you have a lot of both opportunity and the downside of of dabbling in some pretty serious questions. You talk a lot about change. You talk a lot about faith. You talk a lot about uh, what it means to be good and what, be bad. So you have some of those very, very interesting elements in play as well. Well, and it seems like anytime you start talking about this is, you know, some sort of group of deities preferred timeline, it begs questions about free will and predestination and all that too, even if not in the Christian sense, the broader philosophical sense. Because Loki, he doesn't really subscribe to anybody's, you know, plan for what his life is supposed to be. You know, right. that's part of the issue here is that he he keeps getting off the off the timeline. <laughs> it really it really is an issue. And and we see that in the very first episode, right? Where he is moored, he keeps getting slipped in time essentially. And you see him just sort of model his whole body. It's really kind of disturbing. But uh <laughs> so you have those elements and, and it really is emblematic, I think, of both the character in the series as a whole. You have this character who likes to break out of where forces want to put him. Yeah. And that makes him a really compelling character, I think, spiritually, because not only could it be sort of this mirror of, and this is probably going deeper than we really want or need to go, but it's both sort of this, he's a sort of a symbol of rebellion, and we know yeah. as Christians what rebellion means, but it's also, he becomes this symbol of who we are and the the free choice that we have been given and our own ability to make choices to be good or be bad. And so Loki's dealing with his own choices now. So speaking of being good and being bad, you know, we've sort of talked about the worldview and philosophical issues in play. And I think if you have a thoughtful teenager, there might be space for a really great conversation. But it's also Marvel, and I know that we've got some other content things that pop up, too. So what else can we expect, Paul? You know, I think that you can expect a lot of what you would expect in the movies, right? These these are, as you say, Marvel movies. So there's going to be violence. There's going to be action. There's going to be some blood. Uh, is there some profanity, too? There is some profanity. Now, at least in the very first episode, you don't hear much of it. Uh, you do hear a couple of swear words, some milder swear words. But we know in the first season... Uh, uh, you know, the S word was dropped. So okay. you do have some elements that push it into the TV 14 realm. Okay. Uh, it doesn't go beyond what you would see in your typical superhero movie, but they are definitely things to be aware of. And it, this is not really a ki uh, show, I think, for kids. Okay. So, you know, maybe it's appropriate given what we've talked about it. Maybe a glass half full for some families and a glass 
half empty or more for other families. Is yeah. that a fair statement? I think that would be fair. It's a it's a compelling show. It's an interesting show. Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson do a great job with their characters. Yeah. Uh, so it's very watchable, but it comes with some issues that parents just need to be aware of. Okay. Well, thanks for bringing us up to speed on what's happening in Loki Season 2. Thanks, Paul. You bet. Well, now it's time for a segment we call Name That Movie, in which we each give a log line and uh, the rest of us have to guess what movie we are talking about. And since we were talking about movies from our childhood today, I thought that would be a great theme for this particular iteration. So, Paul, you want to lead us off? I would oh, love please. to, Adam. Love to. Would you? I would. Okay. All right. Here's mine. An older sister accidentally loses her baby brother, and she has to go on an adventure to get him back. Is it Adventures of Babysitting? That would be incorrect, sir. Oh, that was a good movie. It was. <laughs> you or say was it, again? it lame and we forgot? An older sister accidentally loses her baby brother, and she has to go on an adventure to get him back. I think our producer knows. But uh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna ask in the Ashley to there. chime in here. <laughs> Ashley, yes, yes, I know this one too. Okay, Ashley, what yes, is it? Because we don't Labyrinth know. Labyrinth with Ooh. David Bowie oh. and Jennifer Connelly, one of her first movies. Wow, oh man, I was hoping Ooh. it wasn't going to be that easy. You know, it's funny because uh, I it thought it was one easy. of those types of movies, but I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> we, we didn't actually get it, Paul. We had to have our producer come in and join us. Our producer is smarter than us all. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> of course. All right, Jonathan. Paul stumped us. We had to have Ashley like come I win. in for an assist. I am winning I'm, I'm, right now, I'm not now, going Jonathan. for mystery. I'm just going for creativity. Here we go. Great. Ready? Yes. Three guys go fishing and quickly realize they're the bait. Uh, oh, Jaws, Jaws, of course. Yeah, there you go. Ah, Jaws. Ah, Jaws. Ah, you're doing sunny. Sorry, Bronx, Bronx tail quote. Sorry. Right? It's getting weird here. You need a bigger boat. Gonna need a bigger boat. Yep. Emily, what do you got for us? A giant becomes friends with two master swordsmen on an adventure to save a princess. Oh, princess Bride. Princess Bride. Yeah, princess Bride. That's right. too easy. Oh, that right. is such a good movie. So mine Anybody is actually. Want a Anybody got a peanut? I do not that think is, that word means what you think it means. You know, I, I, I'll, let me be honest. If we go back and review The Princess Bride, I'm going to be really sad if there's a lot of content in it. I know that there's some, but there's not like a lot. It's, it's not over the top. I've great, seen it recently. Yeah, it's not over the such top. Such a great movie. We yeah. should just do a Keep podcast the on The Princess Bride. Um, okay. If we do that, I'll just be quoting it the entire time because I'm pretty sure I know every line. <laughs> we could do a podcast on quotable movies. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Holy that would Grail. be great. Star Wars. <laughs> Holy Grail. You know what it would be? Yeah, Holy it would Grail. be Holy Grail. Yeah, Holy Grail is the maybe most quotable. the most quotable. Okay, mine's a little bit tougher. I hold out hope that perhaps Paul can get it, but maybe somebody else will surprise mm. me. All right, are you ready? A furry Star alien. Wars. <laughs> that's so true that's not it okay I was going to say I couldn't tell from your nice. face so a furry nice, nice, nice try though <laughs> alright go ahead go ahead Adam a I'm ready a furry alien arrives in a UFO 
in this forgotten 1970s Disney classic. The cat from outer space, the of cat course. From outer the space. cat from outer space. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes, the cat from outer space. Has anybody seen it? Some, oh, you, yeah. Did you see it, Paul? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a movie I want to go back and see. Yeah. What I was that it. in our childhood on Sunday night? Was it just called like Sunday Night at the Movies? It was there, The Wonderful like, World of Disney, right? Is that what you're thinking Okay, of? okay. Maybe. But there was like, I remember looking forward to, oh, there's that movie, you know, and I, I don't know if it was like literally just called Sunday Night at the Movies, but there was also The Wonderful World of Disney. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Paul, I think you're the winner. I win. Even though it's not really a winner kind of game. In the I, Ashley I, let's, wins. Let's, oh, yeah. Well, Ashley yeah. wins. Ashley wins. Ashley, Ashley is our wins. winner. And it's important to have your producer win every now and then so she will keep producing <laughs> True. the show. So she <laughs> thanks, <keeps> producing. Ashley. <laughs> Round of applause for Ashley. We love Yay. you, Ashley. All right. Well, thanks again for taking some time to join us this week. We would love to hear from you about what you thought of our conversations today. What stood out to you? And is there anything you would like to talk about further? If so, let us know at thepluggedinshow.com. And if you go there, you'll not only find our previous 204 episodes, you will find a tab where you can leave us a voicemail. That's right. Straight out of the 90s, you can leave us a voicemail (laughs) that we might use on a future show. Or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And recently, Elsa did exactly that. She wrote to us and said, I would like to thank everyone who works at Plugged In that makes it possible for families to be able to navigate issues in content and for reviewing all sorts of media, including video games. So Elsa, thanks for getting in touch with us and letting us know that. We love hearing from you. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you can always leave a review wherever you get your podcasts as well. And in late September, for example, a user named The One Nerd to Rule Them All, I love that username, (laughs) wrote on Apple's podcast review page, Best podcast of all time. I really wanted to get that on there. I love this podcast because it makes me feel like I'm not the only Christian nerd out there. I love (laughs) fantasy and they really help find what is good and pure in the fantasy genre. So love that review and you can leave one wherever you get your podcast. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week on The Plugged In Show. We hope that you have had something that you've been able to latch onto here that helps you think about this crazy realm of entertainment and pop culture as it applies to your family. And we'll be back for another conversation next week on The Plugged In Show. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the back seat. It's tough to be a step ahead. and full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.